Chapter 12 Manifest Destiny Thoughts become things. Choose the good ones. Mike Dooley You never have to worry about money again. That was the mantra I began telling myself daily after reading Infinite Possibilities by Mike Dooley. Yeah, it was another Manifest Your Own Destiny type book, but this one, for some reason, managed to resonate with me. Either the author explained it better than the others had, or I just happened to be in the right state of mind to receive the message. I had tried earnestly years earlier after watching The Secret, but had given up. This time was different. I found this particular book to be written in a more relatable way, for my personality at least. For instance, I really liked the way the author had provided actionable steps to take. I've always been the kind of person who can think of new ways of doing things, but I can also be a great student when I feel the teacher knows more than I do. And that's exactly what I found Dooley to be, a damn good teacher. In fact, he was kind of like a spiritual fitness instructor. If you follow an exercise regimen correctly, you get results. So I approached the instructions in the text the same way I would a workout, and in time, I found myself better able to focus and put into practice the conscious creation of my reality. I saw changes start to happen for me. In the end, whether you choose to believe in the law of attraction or conscious creation is totally up to you. But I think we can all agree that you do have to take responsibility for your own future. Taking responsibility for the events and outcomes in your own life is both immensely rewarding and, at the same time, monstrously terrifying. Nobody wants to be the one to blame if things go tits up. I get it. So to avoid this white-knuckle situation, many otherwise upstanding individuals will choose victim mentality. Victim mentality is a hell of a lot less risky than responsibility, and you're never the one held liable if things don't work out. Playing the victim justifies and validates your failures. It's like a get-out-of-jail-free card for the weak. It's far easier to play the victim because it relieves you of the duty of creating the life you really want. It's not my fault that I can't get ahead. I would, but my circumstances suck. I would have the life of my dreams, but I can't because my boss is an asshole. I only steal from people because society has done me wrong. Victims will even assemble to further corroborate each other's horrible luck and misfortunes. Taking full responsibility, on the other hand, empowers you to do what's otherwise impossible. Your perception is your reality, and if you perceive yourself to be a victim, then that is exactly what you will be, a victim. A victim of circumstance, unable to control or even partially influence the events and outcomes of your life at the absolute mercy of others and your surroundings, a fallen leaf on the raging river of life. If, on the other hand, you perceive yourself to be in control of, and most importantly responsible for, your destiny, then you, my friend, most certainly will be. It's some scary-ass shit, but you know what? It's the most fulfilling and gratifying feeling in the world. So how do you take control of your life? By not trying to control it. Everything you can imagine is real. Pablo Picasso Loosen your grip Real estate has afforded me many things over the years. The ability to travel, to make my own schedule, to work from the comfort of home. Freedom. It has also afforded me something that I'd never considered before. Insight into the minds of thousands of people, and in particular, an insight into their beliefs surrounding money. Especially large amounts of it. For most folks, buying or selling a house is one of, if not the biggest financial moves they will ever make. Definitely top five. 
But thanks to my work, I get an up-close and personal look at the values and beliefs about the almighty dollar that people have carried with them their entire lives. It's an insight others don't often experience. And you know what I've discovered? Most people are holding on to what money they have so tight that their hands are about to cramp up. They chase nickels and dimes down the street like a dog pursuing a parked car and fail to see the big picture. I have found that this happens for one of two reasons. They honestly believe that money is hard to come by and that they must claw and scratch for every last penny. Or, there's an unrelenting need to be in control of money and or get one over on the other guy. Instead of sending out the message, money flows to me with abundance, they're telling the universe, money is hard to come by, and worse, I can only hold on to a little bit at a time. And regardless of the message they send out, the universe will always respond, in the words of my buddy Rich Lop, yes, that is true. Here's some more evidence to support that. It's counterintuitive, I know, but that's exactly how it works. Remember, you get back what you put out. So if needing to squeeze every last nickel out of someone just to make yourself feel better is what you're into, then I have news for you, friend. You will always be in that position. Needing to gouge, needing to claw, and needing to fight for every last dollar for the rest of your life. Sound like fun? If you think, act, and play at a minor league level, you're never going to get called up to the bigs. It's that simple. It's far more productive in the long run to take the perspective that money comes easily to me, and I don't have to worry about money, etc even if it isn't necessarily true for you at the moment. Can you see the difference? This reminds me of a professional poker player I know. He says that to do well in no-limit poker, you almost have to have a calculated disregard for money. Scared money doesn't make money, they say. This is not to say that you should be reckless and throw caution to the wind with your financial decisions. They should be taken seriously. But for the love of God, loosen your damn grip on money. It's not going anywhere, and there's plenty of it to go around. Why the Rich Get Richer You've undoubtedly heard the expression, the poor get poorer and the rich get richer. But what does it mean, and why is that so? For most of my life, I assumed it meant either you had to already have a bunch of money in order to make any, or that the system was somehow rigged and stacked against me. In other words, it was an excuse, and further validation as to why I didn't have any. Now, however, after 50-plus years of life experience and after having worked with thousands of individuals in large financial transactions over the years, I know the real meaning. I've discovered, not surprisingly, that the less money someone has, the more fearful they are about opening their wallet. The more they have, the more they're inclined to open it. There are exceptions to this, of course, but generally speaking, this is painfully true. I've also come to the realization that the less money someone has, the more they feel they are entitled to it. Well, no shit, Chris. That makes sense. Of course you have to hold on to your money tighter when you don't have much, I hear you saying. Sure, it makes sense, but not in the way you might think. The financial death grip is actually the cause of and not the solution to one's financial worries. Every time you haggle with someone over a $20 widget on OfferUp, every time you scan a 25-cent coupon, and every time you stress incessantly about upcoming bills, you're telling the universe that money is hard to come by and that you don't have enough of it. Your relationship with money needs an attitude adjustment, stat. Now, I'm by no means suggesting you throw $100 bills out the window of your car or burn them at the strip club in a display of affluence, but if you can just loosen the stranglehold you keep on your cash, that will start to tell the universe that you're okay. Small, seemingly insignificant acts, like paying for someone else's coffee at the drive-thru, are not only acts of selflessness, but statements that you have plenty to go around. 
Try tipping 50% the next time you get good service at dinner. Or try giving that homeless person $10, even if you know he's going to buy vodka with it. These acts will begin to change your own thoughts and eventually your beliefs about the supposed scarcity of cash. And once you believe something to be true, it usually is. It may seem wild to you that just changing what you think and therefore believe could possibly influence what happens in your experience, but it's the straight-up truth. When the student is ready. So, I replaced my usual thoughts and worries about not being able to pay the rent on time, for example, with pictures of myself living the confident and financially stable life of my dreams. I meditated day and night on these visions and willed myself to believe that they would happen for me. I was finally ready to be responsible for whatever happened next, and next meant taking action. It was soon afterward that a gentleman named CJ came into the brokerage where I worked and gave a one-day class on online marketing. A bunch of us took his class, but I was the only one who really took his lessons to heart. I followed everything he taught to the letter and applied each and every lesson to my practice, just as I had with the information I found in Infinite Possibilities. There was a ton of work involved, mind you, because there were so many time-consuming steps I needed to take in order to build up my online presence. But CJ had promised that the sooner we completed the steps, the sooner success would be ours. And he turned out to be 100% correct. I was the only one of the agents that day who fully took and followed through with all his advice. And it showed. Because after a while, customers began finding me online, and my business took off. I was suddenly the top-selling realtor in my brokerage. Finally feeling in control of my life, I decided to take a gamble on another business venture, and I launched my own private label supplement line. It was something I'd had in mind to do since my weight loss company days, and could finally put into motion now that I was making some bank again. I sank $10,000 into the idea and called the label Living Proof Labs. Then I got 200 bottles of each formulation and sold maybe five. This was a big setback, similar to previous failures I'd had in the past, but with a difference this time. The loss didn't break me. In fact, I was doing so well with my real estate business that I decided to let Living Proof go. I just didn't have the time to put the same amount of attention and dedication into it as I was putting into my primary business. Sometimes, when I think back on it now, I can't help but wonder, had I been able to stick to it and really build up a good web presence for Living Proof, would it be doing well today? I was proud of the quality of the product, but regretfully ended up having to throw it all out because I had no place to store it. Even though Living Proof was a bust, I don't regret giving the supplement business a try. In business, we can be faced with some hard decisions. I had to choose between something that had great potential but needed work to achieve that potential and something else that was already working and doing very well for me. It made better sense to choose that which was working, even if it meant giving up on a dream. I made the right call for me. Swipe right. But when I wasn't working, which was hardly ever, I tried to get back into the dating scene. I tried out a few dating apps and saw a few different women for a few months, but it turned out to be a lot of work too. Another full-time job, actually. And after a while, I found that trying to keep up communication with various people through an assortment of apps had become an exhausting juggling act. Tired of the chore that the casual dating scene had become, I decided to delete all the apps but one. Bumble. It was an app where the women had to be the first to send a message once the two of you had matched. It took a lot of the pressure off the man and empowered the women at the same time. I liked that. When I came across her profile, I swiped right immediately. 
She was a young blonde, petite and fit. Definitely eye-catching. I was interested from the get-go. I hoped the feeling would be mutual and that I'd hear from her as soon as possible. When she got back to me, I was very excited but a little disappointed that she didn't want to meet in person right away. She insisted that we first only text each other through the app. As she was a burlesque dancer and waitress, however, I understood her need to be wary of strange men. After texting back and forth for a while, we graduated to FaceTime conversations. After about three of those, she finally agreed to meet in person. Our first date was at the Green Valley Ranch Casino for pizza, drinks, and a little video poker. The more we talked, the more we found out that we had in common, and the more we hit it off. I found Erin to be even more beautiful in person, as well as surprisingly funny and really sharp. She was a triple threat. But it was when she cooked a gourmet meal for me within the first week that we started dating that I knew for sure. After all my years in Las Vegas, I had finally hit the jackpot. When things started getting more serious between us, I suggested that we move in together. She lived in Henderson, which was about a 30-minute drive from me, and my having to constantly drive back and forth between our places was getting old. Since we were together all the time, it made much more sense for us to live under one roof. So we found an apartment in Las Vegas and signed the lease. It was the first place that was neither hers nor mine, but ours. It was awful. It was our upstairs neighbors. They were incredibly noisy. It sounded like they were dancing all the time. And I don't mean to music on the radio, I mean it sounded like they legit had a stripper pole installed in their apartment and were practicing pole dancing routines. It sounded like a pack of rabid hyenas had been permitted to occupy the apartment directly above us. On top of all that, there were a lot of rules and regulations in our apartment complex. When and where to throw out the garbage, pick up your mail, etc. Rules about everything but pole dancing and hyenas. We didn't let the year run out on our lease before we left. Then, I bought a place. When I settled into my new home and my happy life with my new girlfriend, I couldn't help but feel grateful for all the shit that had come before. Because the result of it all was my now being truly happy where I wanted to be, with the person I wanted to be with, doing work I not only enjoyed doing, but did well. I have learned something from every success and every failure. In some ways, to be honest, I've learned even more from the failures than the successes. Things like, failure itself is always just temporary, and there's always some good to be found wrapped up inside of it. For instance, my former girlfriend essentially forcing me to move out was a sucky thing to have happened. But in reality, it was one of the best things that had ever happened. That little 10 by 10 room in which I ended up became my regeneration chamber. It was there that I spent an incubation period, reflecting upon and reordering my life until I could be reborn as a new man. On top of that, Donovan, who so kindly allowed me the space to do this, has remained one of my best friends to this day, and was my best man when Aaron and I married in 2018. Because of the mutual respect my wife and I have for each other, our marriage developed into a true partnership. We did and still do everything together, even entered fitness competitions. The three times we did proved to be very challenging experiences. It takes several months to prepare for a show, and that training period is extremely taxing on the body as well as the mind. Tempers run short as the effects of restricted calories and exhaustion take over. What was great, though, was how each time we went through it, it only strengthened our relationship, like going into battle together. On the home front, she continued working full-time as a burlesque dancer and cocktail server. She knew five different dance routines and would sometimes step in for lead dancers when they needed a night off. When one of the headliners she sometimes subbed for went on maternity leave, 
Aaron asked to be the woman's regular substitute for the time she was away. She knew the routine well, had been a loyal and hardworking employee, and deserved the spot. However, they told her no, that she could only have one show a week or nothing. She chose nothing. I was proud of her for knowing what she wanted and for taking her shot. I was even prouder of her for knowing her own worth and respecting herself enough to walk away at the right time. I wasn't worried when she quit because I was making more than enough to support the two of us. Plus, I knew I was with a smart woman who would be able to find something else in short order. But then it occurred to me, burlesque dancing paid so little in comparison to what I did for a living. And she'd picked up a lot from watching me work from home. So I turned to her and I asked the same question that had been asked of me a few years earlier. Have you ever thought about real estate? What about you? As you can see, I'm a big believer in manifesting your own success. But it took me years to get here. I had to realize that manifesting isn't about magic. It's about intention. And it's about doing the work. Oh yes, I did a lot of picturing a future of financial security. We're talking hardcore envisioning, because I really wanted it. But you can't just demand what you want from the universe without lifting a finger to bring it upon yourself. The universe is not a genie. It's a cooperator. If you want a beautiful mansion, you should take care of the humble home you have first. It shows the universe you're a good caretaker, and you can then be rewarded with more because you have proven you can be trusted with it. As much as I envisioned my success, I also did everything I could to make more money, like taking that online marketing class and working my ass off 10 to 12 hours a day. The class was offered to everyone, but I was the only one that paid attention. I followed every word of advice the teacher gave. I didn't throw away or waste any of the knowledge he imparted, and it worked out very well. I did the work. I did it believing that if I followed his instruction, I could make myself financially secure to the point of never having to worry about money again. And then it happened. I also did the work when it came to looking for my life partner. At first, I was using a slew of dating apps and playing the field to the point of nauseam. I thought that was doing the work and showing the universe I was looking hard for the one. But most of those dates just resulted in casual hookups. When I felt it was time to seriously settle down, I figured out it was best to get rid of all the apps but the one. And that's when I met my future wife, and she made me work for it as evidenced by the many FaceTime dates we had before meeting in person. And that's how it should be with anything you really want. When things come too easy or are handed to you on a silver platter, you take them for granted. When there is more input and effort on your part, you feel accomplished and proud when you succeed. It's so much more worth it. So what about you? What are the goals you would like to manifest for yourself? What desires are you willing to put in the effort of both envisioning and physically bringing about into your reality? Is there a course in a subject that could perhaps add to your skill set and make you a more valued employee where you work? Skills that could result in more sales for your company or an increased income for yourself and perhaps even a promotion? Or if you work for yourself, is there an online marketing, accounting, or salesmanship class you can take and then apply toward improving and increasing your business? I found it very empowering to learn how to market myself, as good for self-esteem as it was for the wallet. Those are the kinds of profits you can take to the bank. My advice to you is to research, and if you can, apply for classes that are available either online or at your local library or college. Then there are times when you do all the work and still fail to get what you wanted, like when Erin didn't get the spot in the burlesque show she'd worked so hard for. It sucks to be unappreciated. And in times like those, it's usually best to leave, like she did, with your self-respect intact. 
It's good to know your own worth and to protect your assets or your own ass rather than allow some asshole boss to take a big chunk out of it. In a nutshell, when you know you're worth more than you are willing to pay, sometimes you gotta walk away. Erin did just that, and it would be one of the smartest moves she would ever make.